TLG MMA podcast, where we talk about truth, love, growth, mindfulness, movement, art, and much, much more. Welcome to another episode of TLG MMA podcast, episode number 20, with your host Tyson Griffin and JT. What's up, JT? How you doing? I'm doing good. I'm feeling rejuvenated, like I said earlier. Got some natural natural ice bath in, or cold bath, rather. Yep, jumping in the river with some friends. Nice. That is definitely nature's simple ice bath, you know, if you can't afford an ice bath every day, maybe, you know, find some body of water around you. doesn't have to be a river, could be the ocean, could be the bay, whatever you got. Get in some cold water. And if you can't get in cold water, you can actually just get out in the morning, super early, before the sun's up, when it's nice and cold out. Unless, of course, you live in the desert, and then it's hot, literally, all through the night, and I know about that, so... uh I have some empathy for you, because I remember my first summer in Las Vegas, and I thought it was kind of like the Bay Area, where at night, there's going to be a little bit of a breeze getting cooler, but nope. I remember trying to open the windows the first summer night. It was real hot. I opened the windows at night and just got hotter. I was like, oh man, it's not cooling off out there at all. So yeah. I would never get a good night's sleep out there then. If you're in the desert, you're definitely gonna have to <laughs> you have to invest in some ice bath every once in a while. So, is what it is. Mother Nature rules all. That's some good yin energy. The cold is yin, and the water is yin. So, good yin to balance out all the yang of energy that you're putting out in the world. And I guess there's a good segue because today I want to talk about. PEDs in amateur and professional sports and cold therapy or cold exposure and even heat thermogenesis or thermogenesis is a natural or holistic way to recover and one of the many ways or many things that you can do outside of performance enhancing drugs and that's what we're talking about when we say PEDs or when I say PEDs talking about performance enhancing drugs most commonly referred to as things like steroids and uh, HGH or EPO or there's all kinds of other things out there nowadays so without further ado I want to talk about I'm gonna go over some of the things I'm gonna talk about real quick we're gonna look at PEDs and amateur and professional sports talking about the risk versus reward Talk about what I saw watching others use them during my youth and professional careers. What I decided was best for me. And yeah, so get into it. Risk versus rewards. Let's look at the risks first. Um, Common risks are injuries, your health. Uh, Short-term injuries and long-term injuries. Some of the short-term injuries or side effects from using PEDs, specifically steroids, I know, is dehydration of the tissues. So tissues can be dehydrated and it can lead to injuries actually. Um, And that can be counterproductive to what you're trying to do. If you're trying to perform, 
and enhance your performance. You definitely don't want injuries because that's going to definitely not help you perform better. And long-term, some of the long-term effects are issues with organs, liver, uh, a number of different sensitive body parts that you don't want to necessarily alter and mess up. Hormonal imbalances, um, the list goes on. You can, I'm sure you can look on the internet, all the different side effects um, from steroids, but these are just some of the common ones I think are important to think about um, in your health. So health being a risk and character, you know, looking at the fact that other people are going to look at you different, you know. Do you want to alter your character and the way that you're perceived in the world just to potentially have some of the rewards? And that's just stuff to, stuff to think about. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just telling you the risks and the rewards. And, you know, eventually I'm going to tell you what I decided to do. And, um... You know, you look at people like Lance Armstrong, who won all the Tour de France's, but then in the end, ended up having his character sort of ripped out from underneath him. And although everyone was doing it, yada, 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 it is what it is. Um, so for me, I think character is important. Um, now, one of the risks is losing. You know, you can lose. Although, we'll get into the rewards, and one of the rewards is winning. <coughs> Excuse me. One of the huge risks is losing. And, you know, you can lose via injury. <laughs> and you can also just lose from disqualification. Uh, like we saw with Lance Armstrong. You know, you may win in the moment. And then later on you might get disqualified. Or you might get, you know, things taken away from you. Based on your performance enhancing drug test later. Now, rewards. These are the reasons I believe people do take them, and I've experienced some of those rewards. And rewards of performance-enhancing drugs, most commonly looking at things like steroids, is recovery. Steroids help the body recover. Um, not, not too even lo- not too long ago, a few years ago, when I before I had neck surgery, my inflammation and pain in my neck was so bad, and nothing was really helping, and they gave me a cycle of oral steroids, pregnizone, I believe is what it was. Um, oral steroids that got the inflammation down, made my neck feel so much better. And I was just like, oh my God, this is why people do this shit. Like, <laughs> it actually does work, you know? Now, granted, you're going to have to put in the work. Um, people do use that for recovery, and they're putting in a lot of good work. Don't think that any performance enhancing drugs actually is going to make you be better without putting in the work. You have to perform to have it enhance you, right? It's a performance enhancer. It's not some magic pill. Now, with that said, little little dichotomy here. With that said, it also can take you outside of your natural performance um, potential. So if somebody has pushed themselves to the max and they can't, draw any more, you know, strength, any more conditioning, any more whatever out of them as far as numbers and things like that that can be tested, you know, from a scientific or athletic standpoint, then, you know, performance-enhancing drug can boost you up and up, up and beyond your natural potential. And that's how you see people lifting 
crazy amounts of weight these days. Those guys, like professional strongmen, they are using some enhancement because, uh, yeah, the human being is only capable of doing so much. Now, another reward is winning. Yeah. With all that said, you can take these things. They can make you bigger, stronger, faster. I think that's even actually a... I think that's a Netflix documentary. <laughs> um, but yeah, they can make you bigger, stronger, faster. They can help you win. But they come with those other side effects and those risks of having short-term or long-term health issues. Having people around you look at you differently and judge your character. And having yourself judge your character. You're always going to have to know. You're always going to have to live with that. Um, so just some things to think about when it comes to performance enhancing drugs. And now we'll talk about what I've seen in amateur sports. Um, growing up, I grew up in the Bay Area here. There are professional sports all around. Everything from baseball to ice hockey to basketball, you know, football, you name it. Um, so... It was a goal of a lot of kids to be an athlete, to be a professional athlete. And it was commonly talked about within, you know, um, youth baseball, within high school sports. It was commonly, I wouldn't say in youth baseball as much, you know, (laughs) kids are worried about other things. Um, I guess technically I was taking performance enhancing drugs uh, when I was really, really young. And that was inhaler. An inhaler is actually a steroid. It's albuterol. Um, technically, it's a steroid. Um, but I ended up taking, getting rid of that because I realized I didn't need the, that crutch. And it wasn't necessarily helping me. It was actually hurting me. I felt like I needed this thing. And I'd freak out if I didn't have it. And then one day I just realized I'm done with this shit. Anyway, um, and that's something that we'll get into. It doesn't always help you. It doesn't always help you actually perform better. In the moment... It might have helped my asthma and my, you know, whatever go down. But long term, it wasn't actually helping me. So, um, like I said, it wasn't that commonly talked about in youth sports. We were just puffing inhalers, if anything else. Um, But in high school, it was definitely talked about. And I remember witnessing one kid that I played with in high school. I went to Albany High School in in the East Bay. We had a pretty good baseball team and... Um, kids that had some goals and aspirations of becoming pros and this, that, and the other thing. And I batted against Dontra Willis, and who ended up becoming MVP uh, pitcher for the you know major league team, uh, major league teams. And uh, yeah, me and my other buddy were the only guys to get a hit off Dontrell. So a little, little, little brag there, you know. Not gonna lie, it was kind of cool. Even though it was scary, this dude was so tall and a lefty. And if you know baseball. Left-handed pitchers, the ball just comes in at a weird angle, and the way they threw he threw it, like it, you thought the ball was literally getting thrown at you. You thought he was like trying to hit you, and then it would just tail into the into the strike zone, and he was stepping like almost the third weight of the plate. And yeah, anyway, back to what I was saying. My one of the young kids who had dreams and goals of being a professional, his dad. His dad had him convinced that he had to take performance-enhancing drugs in high school and that he needed to do this to get to the next level and you know so on and so forth. And I remember thinking that, yeah, man, I don't know if you really need to do that. You know, There's a lot of other things you can do, like 
you know, maybe you should do this, that, and the other thing. But, you know, lo and behold, I know that, I shouldn't say I know, but I believe that he took some performance-enhancing drugs. Didn't necessarily help him. He didn't get, he didn't make it to the big leagues. Um, and that is what it is. And then later on, when I was in, let's say, junior college, um, somebody that was older than me, he had actually pushed his physical limitations to on his own naturally as hard and as high as he could, and he was playing football. And he was a great, he was actually a great play, baseball player before that, but uh, and never needed or thought about doing. I shouldn't say never thought about it, but he never felt the real need to do it in baseball. But during football, he was kind of stuck in position in, in between positions, and in football, it's a lot about size and speed. So he was. A little bit too small to be a D end, but he wasn't necessarily fast enough to like be a linebacker or big enough or whatever it was, right? So he decided that he needed to bulk up a little bit and he had pushed himself physically, naturally, as big and strong as he could ever get himself. Then he went and got his liver and got a bunch of tests done from doctors to make sure he was healthy enough to even be able to do steroids because it's, you know, it's very strong. Steroids can be very strong, and um, it can be very, you know, toxic even. Um, Let me just throw out a disclaimer first real quick. Not first, but real quick. I'm not a doctor. None of this is medical information. None of this is actually... Performance-enhancing drug advice. Um, these are just personal stories, and I'm sharing this for entertainment and food for thought. So just just to share with you what my friend did. Not saying that you should do this, but he got everything tested out to make sure he was healthy enough and 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 could take the the performance-enhancing drugs and not hurt himself long term. He did it. He gained a lot of size. It worked, you know. He gained a lot of size. He gained some strength, gained some speed, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And here's the long story short: he ended up getting sick one day with the flu. He got so sick that his body just ate up all the extra muscle that he had put on from that cycle, and he literally lost it. And he decided it literally was not worth the like the mental, emotional, like, crap that he went through and the way he felt when he was on the the steroids, he, like, just decided it wasn't worth it to do it again. So it worked, but he would have had to keep up the eating and keep up the working, and, like, this is why I think it's dangerous to do this stuff because it can work on a short term, but long term, you have to keep up with the regiment to be able to keep some of the gains that you're going to acquire. So it can be an addictive pathway, and I think that's something that needs to be thought about too. If your mind is fragile and you don't come from necessarily a perfectly happy, stable, secure home and, you know, mom and dad and everybody's, you know, treating everybody nice, well, you might be a little bit susceptible, you might be a little bit more open to becoming addicted to things. If you have a lot of trauma in your life, you might be a little bit more prone to being addicted to things so just some things you want to think about if you think performance enhancing drugs are somehow going to solve all your problems it might just 
be another layer on top of the onion and make things worse. So be very, very cautious and be very careful when you think about doing performance-enhancing drugs. So um, let's moving on from amateur sports. Let's go into professional. And I guess during that transition, I was training things like jiu-jitsu. Um, jiu-jitsu. And, and just to be honest, when I think about wrestling, it wasn't as common in wrestling. I, it wasn't talked about in the wrestling circles in high school even, really. Um, we were always talking about losing weight. You know, what I'm we, we were the other kind of unhealthy. So uh, That's surprising to hear because it's just like it seems like such a physical sport compared to other sports. Now, I will say this. There was young one young man from another local school who, rumor has it, we know, was bulking up, and there was definitely some rumors around that, you know, and even in our team, like, oh, yeah, so-and-so looks like they they did some extra work over the summer, huh? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so it was definitely a thing. More more, more things like creatine and uh, other, other things that were less risky from what I saw and heard in wrestling. But, yeah, you're right. Um, wrestling is a physical sport, but I think it's more about this, the – the endurance. Uh, I think one of the common side effects is heart, cardiac um, issues. So um, for a sport like wrestling, we know we have to have a lot of cardio. And I think those that mentality doesn't want to risk injuring your heart using steroids or something like that. You know, whereas football and other sports, a little bit more explosive, a little bit less duration. So then maybe that's why those sports are more commonly you know, used for that type of stuff. So that's just something I just realized right now. So it make, probably makes sense. Um, and this is where it's kind of ironic because in the Brazilian jiu-jitsu circles or just jiu-jitsu circles in general, grow, um, it's not, not a lot of testing at all. And I think now there's some leagues that are claiming to do testing or whatever. But uh, yeah, it was very common from what I heard in jiu-jitsu circles to be doing what was referred to as bomba. That was the Brazilian term for juice. It was like, oh yeah, yeah, so-and-so's doing bomba or whatever. Like, So you'd hear about it, and I'm like, oh, what the fuck? I'm like, oh, okay. And um, Now again, don't think it necessarily helped help people be better, be stronger. I remember there was one training partner at the first gym that I started training jiu-jitsu at that literally he told everybody, oh, I'm going on a cycle, right? I'm going to start getting juice, whatever, right? So I, in my mind, was like, man, I want to see. I want to see how it feels training with this guy. I want to see if it makes him better, right? And true story, it didn't make him any better. It didn't make him any faster. But I will say this. It felt like he had more static strength endurance, meaning like... He didn't necessarily get stronger and, like, couldn't push me around. But his, like, ability to stay strong and not be pushed around seemed like it went up. And, again, I think it maybe is just recovery or something. But, again, like, I could feel. I'm like, oh, is this what, this is what steroid strength feels like? Okay. like, And truth is, I fought a few guys that were, you know, that got caught throughout their career and tested positive steroids. So I know what it's like to fight, fight some steroid guys. It feels a little different, you know. And But again, it doesn't necessarily help them long term. Um, one of those guys I beat, another guy I didn't beat, just is what it is. And if you're wondering who those guys were, it was Sean Shirk and uh, Gleason Tabau. And 
I'm sure there's a few more that were doing the juice. But is what it is. Now in MMA, it's good good little transition there. Speaking of those guys, um, training MMA. Again, jiu-jitsu, it was, seemed like it was common, not a lot of testing. MMA was just becoming legal and becoming a thing that was getting tested. And, you know, at the end of the day, people knew when they were going to fight, and there was a lot of cycling on and off the, the sauce or other performance-enhancing drugs. I'm not going to lie. I was in a training camp one time. I was in a training camp one time helping some guys get ready for fights. And we were all sharing the house and, you know, sharing the fridge and, we all got our own stuff, and, you know, it just is what it is, you know. And I'm, I'm opening up the fridge one day and looking through the fridge to get some food, and I see a little see a little box with some vials in it. <laughs> I'm like, oh, someone's got some extra, extra supplements in the fridge. <laughs> I think I know what those are. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so that was just one of, the, one of the eye-opening things that I had to see as a young MMA fighter. Like, oh, people are doing juice here too, you know. And I had already luckily seen it plenty in my high school experiences and already knew and decided for myself individually that I was going to do it naturally. I didn't want to risk my health. I didn't feel that it. I saw it help anybody accomplish their big goals or dreams and make anybody's like life be completely different as an athlete, as an individual in a positive way, to be honest. If anything, I saw it affect people's lives more in a negative way than anything, and that's just my honest opinion. So um, looking at the risk and the rewards, I don't know if those guys would have, you know, would go back and do it all again if they could. Um, But I know if I could go back and do it all again, I wouldn't do it. So I'm happy with the decisions I've made. I'm happy with the way things have still been going. So just food for thought for you guys. And then, yeah, during my MMA career, you know, I was at a gym where... I was in one of the biggest, baddest gyms around, and everybody, all the big popular names, everyone you could think of, and slowly but surely heard rumors of other people doing it and this, that, things from HGH to, you know, anabolic steroids to whatever you can think of. Um, you know, a lot of people just want to win. They want to they get ahead. They want to win. They want to get paid. They want to be famous. You know, there's so many different reasons that people decide to do things, and just be very, very careful if you're thinking about doing it. Be very, very responsible. And I personally don't think it's worth the risk. Again, none of this is medical advice. But just from my coaching opinion, coaching perspective, I wouldn't encourage people to do it. If people do it and are happy using it, then great. Keep it up. Um, but I love to help people learn how to increase their testosterone naturally, learn how to recover naturally. Just things like cold exposure. Um, cold and sun exposure so getting yourself really really cold can help um, increase that testosterone and boost your recovery and also getting really hot laying out in the sun butt naked getting the sun on your private parts can actually help increase your testosterone Um, again everything in moderation so you know I dare say doing a little contrast is good too summer now get out in the summer go to the mountains find a cold river cold lake Find a private place, you know, sun your balls out, and jump in the cold water, you know, it'll be some great recovery. Um, and I think the reason that a lot of people do PEDs is really just to, it's this modern world. Everybody wants the quick fix. They're impatient. They don't have the time. I'd rather just do this. I'd rather just do that. 
But just remember and just know there's a lot of long-term side effects that are unhealthy. So be careful. Um, and yeah, I honestly didn't see it help change anybody's life or change anybody's career in a positive way. A lot of people that I saw doing this up PEDs in my MMA career, um, I don't think it helped them necessarily be any better of an MMA fighter and... You know, I can't really speak for anybody individually. And I'm not, because I'm just not that kind of guy. I ain't no snitch. But, uh, again, a lot of people doing it very common, you know. Doesn't mean you need to do it. Just because your favorite MMA fighter did it, doesn't mean they need to do it. And this just lets me know, for me personally, nobody's perfect, you know. Some of those guys were the hardest working guys in the world and they still took PEDs. And it made sense if you think about it because they needed it to recover, right? So it's like, oh, okay, that's why they did it. But maybe they're lazy on the recovery side. I think that's a lot of people. They're really lazy on the recovery side. You can't be lazy on the recovery side. You got to literally recover twice as hard as you work. Like for me personally, in between rounds of MMA fights, I'm focusing on my breathing. I'm relaxing. I'm not panicking and worrying about the last round or thinking about the next round. I'm recovering. So when it's recovery time, you got to recover hard, recover smart. And that will allow you the comfort to know you don't need PEDs. Um, because in my opinion, the most commonly used place for PEDs is for recovery. And that is probably the worst place to use it. Um, if I was going to actually recommend somebody use it, I would say, no, don't use it for recovery. Do all this other shit, eat all this other food, push yourself on a serious athletic training program with an experienced trainer for at least five years, maybe even more Then maybe once you've reached your athletic potential, if you're still not satisfied, with everything that you've accomplished over a five to ten year span of really serious dieting, training, and recovering, then maybe, maybe it's time to think about PEDs. Maybe. That would be my honest, holistic coaching perspective if I was going to give somebody a place or time to actually do or recommend something like that. I might be like, shit, man, we've done everything we can do. You want to go past your natural human potential? Well, maybe it's time to, you know, do a little something, something. Or can we just not do that? Can you be satisfied with the amount of strength, speed, and conditioning, or whatever it is that you actually have accomplished along the way towards that goal, Maybe we don't need to reach that goal anymore, you know, whatever it might be, you know. So just food for thought. Again, some stuff to think about. JT, you got any uh, uh, questions, thoughts, or comments? I was going to ask you about behavioral changes, like roid rage. Is that real? Is that a myth? It's, it's based on what my friend said, it is real. That was one of the reasons he didn't want to do it again. Um, so yeah, I think it's, I think the roid rage comes from the coming downside. So like, you don't want to, knowing what I know, you don't want to take a bunch of steroids and then come off from cold turkey. And if you come off from cold turkey, you're, that's when your hormones are out of balance. Um, but yeah, that, that same friend that said that, 
I believe during that time was working security at a strip club and that's where he really noticed it because he would, you know, be not as patient with people maybe or, you know, um, yeah, so. And he maybe noticed it coming back to his friends or family and like, so yeah, he noticed, he noticed those, that red rage is a real thing, you know, so, um, yeah. That's real from what my friend said he experienced. I can't speak on it personally, but I trust that person. It doesn't help that he was in a stressful environment like that either. It certainly doesn't. Yeah, it it certainly doesn't. And and knowing what I know, it can actually make stress feel good. Testosterone can make stress feel good. So, like, yeah, maybe it, it allows you to be okay with, being ragey and making more stress it makes it feel good yeah that's 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 an innate like an innate sort of like thing with testosterone high testosterone so when you're a youth you have high testosterone yeah you want to test each other you want to you're like let's go to the max let's go who can go harder who can go farther give me the spiciest chili pepper or whatever you know what i mean <laughs> let's jump on the jump off yeah. the highest cliff right oh, yeah. So I think that's what it's talking about. It makes that stress feel good. Mm. But then as you slowly get older and your testosterone comes down, then it's like, well, man, I just want to chill. Like, what the fuck? Like, do I need to stress all the time? Like, um, so yeah, that's something that I even noticed with myself. You know, I'm like, stress doesn't feel as good as it used to. And definitely not all the time. But every once in a while, I do like some good stress. So um, yeah, that's something that you can also think about you know, with your training and all that, sort of balancing out when you feel, you know, like you want to push and that stress feels good, push a little harder, you know. And at the end of the day, you can create some mental toughness if you push through the time when you don't want to push, you know. But at the same time, maybe that's a holistic sign that our testosterone's a little low, right? So, man, I don't really feel like stressing right now. Maybe I need a little supplement, Maybe not PEDs, but maybe a little steak, maybe a good little, some good animal fat that's going to help with testosterone production and, uh, yeah, help you feel good, you know, Mm -hmm. at least for me. I noticed when I didn't eat meat for a long time, I'd feel real weak and just, oh, and I eat some good animal fat, good steak. Oh man, I feel good. Let's, let's get after it again, you know, so just food for thought. Food for power. Food for power, you're right. Food is medicine. Food is everything. Food is spiritual practice. Yeah, you weren't ready for that, huh? (laughs) And that's the truth, honestly, for me. um, That's the holistic truth about nutrition and food. We can use it as a spiritual practice. And what is spirituality? That is understanding that everything is connected. A connection to the greater whole. And that's what food really is. Understanding the connection to the greater whole. The earth the air, the water, and the fire, or the sun. Um, and that's really what is growing our food. And we got to be careful eating crappy, toxic stuff and understanding that, yeah, we can use our food and what we consume as a spiritual practice. Now I'm thinking about mind-body connection, but like more specifically, willpower and body. So like if you're an athlete and you feel like you've hit your max... Well, a lot of that willpower is coming from your mind and like a lot of that is your beliefs. So maybe you need to dig down and like look at your beliefs. Cause like I think of like 
I always think of like Dagestani fighters and like their belief in their religion and they're always like beating on everybody else's ass and it's a lot of that is because of that because they like it's part I of think, who they are. I think I think there's two there's a twofold thing there. You're correct. There is a definitely faith is part of it. Faith, they have a connection with, you know, their Muslim faith. Well, I don't want and it to be like you know, me talking about faith. I'm I'm just talking about drive. Like what pushes you. Yeah, yeah. That's just that's, one example of it. Yeah. But that and I think that that's and that's what I'm saying. There's there's a belief in themselves because of faith. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And if you don't have a connection of faith in something or anything, then how can you have faith in yourself, right? Um, now, on the flip side of that, I believe necessity is also what drives them. They live in the mountains. Like, I'm doing my ranch in the mountains, and it's, like, I'm I'm actually kind of trying to create a little mini Dagestan out there, like, because I've spent many time in the mountains in Las Vegas and other places. And I love like the fact that everything's hard. I love walking up hills. I love running up hills. I love breathing that fresh air in the hills. Like there's just so many things that create that necessity to create a strong willed person. Um, like you're talking about with the Dagestanis. And then there's also the wrestling background because they have the wrestling in their culture and Sambo in their culture that also breeds that faith inside mm-hmm. of them. Does that make sense? Yeah. There's a lot of wrestlers that have faith in wrestling, but they don't have faith in maybe, you know, um, a religion or something. So it's like if wrestling doesn't work, then they, they're, they like, they, they don't have that faith. You know what I mean? Like, so that's where I was saying that I think they're, they're, that their faith has an impact and it's just one of those layers, kind of like an onion that makes them, you know, stronger and grittier and just harder to, harder to quit. You know, they're just not going to quit because they have that faith that everything's going to work. Like, it's going to work. It's going to work. It's going to work. Even though we're in this little mountain town, it's going to work. You know, even though I'm in this fight, it's going to work. You know what I mean? Like, and that's where it it just, to me, everything has an impact and why, you know, people that come from those type of places have so much hunger and so much drive. And on the flip side, why people come from the city, they lack the hunger and lack the drive because mm-hmm. they don't need it. It's not a necessity to have some faith. They don't even have to have faith in religion. They don't even have to have faith in nature. They don't have to have faith in anything. Oh, I guess maybe they have to have faith in money, right? <laughs> so like, well, I'm just being honest, right? So some people have faith in money and what can they buy with money? Oh, I can buy PEDs. You know what I mean? Right? Yeah. And you can't buy faith. You know, it doesn't no. matter how much money you have, you can't buy faith. Like, um, so yeah, just, just my two cents on the Dagestani fighters and their faith and how it can lead into their drive. And then again, the necessity. Um, and I think it's just is what it is, that whole area. And I dare say freaking Khabib's dad's vision. You know what I mean? He was sort of a custom motto of MMA who had a vision of building champions and you know it's in, to me it's interesting cuz i watched i trained with Khabib for his first two UFC fights when he was in uh AKA in San Jose he fought he fought Rafael dos Anjos and Thiago Tavares and i had fought them as well so he wanted to train with me a bunch and so we ended up doing a lot of sparring together and but i was i just thought it was interesting to watch his journey and it's interesting to watch his journey now because part of me sees that it wasn't necessarily his 
decision to be, you know, this MMA champion. That was like his dad's decision. Mm-hmm. And now it's interesting to see how he creates his own life now in the sort of passing of his father and deciding to take on the legacy of, uh, you know, becoming a coach or MMA promoter and just becoming, you know, that that figure that I think MMA really needs that will hopefully bring some, you know, some good morals and some good faith back into martial arts like I think it needs to be and not just some, you know, just some entertainment show, the Conor McGregor show, you know. So anyway, um, enough of my rant about that. But yeah, there's my there's my food for thought on performance enhancing drugs in amateur and professional sports. And if you're enjoying these podcasts, please take the time. I don't say it at all or let alone enough. I need to start saying it more. Probably at the beginning of this podcast, but if you're enjoying this, please like it, please subscribe to it, please tell a friend, leave a comment. If there's any topics regarding MMA that you might want to hear about, or if you got any questions on anything I touched on or said that you want to elaborate on, please leave a comment on whatever podcast listening platform you're listening on, and I will do my best to address it. And talk about it at some point sooner than later. And you can also support this podcast at the description. In the description, there is a link. You can support it monthly. You can also support my recovery ranch mission at givesengo.com forward slash TLGMMA. And you can reach out to me for some holistic nutrition and lifestyle coaching if you want to learn how to build a program without PEDs or with PEDs, whatever it is, I'm happy to work with you and or other practitioners that are professional enough to work in a multidisciplinary approach, meaning that I can work with your doctors or whoever you have already on your squad or your team or whatever you want to call it, and we can all work together to help you accomplish your goals and dreams and that's that and we'll talk to you next time peace love happy healing what's up it's tyson i just want to share real quick how you can support this podcast and help us build it and keep it rolling jt is doing all the editing and this is not easy work it takes time it takes energy it takes some skills this is actually the third time i've tried to get this podcast going so Just to share with you, I tried doing this on my own. It's not easy work. So I tried learning on my own, realized it's not my forte, and partnering up with JT now, and I want to help him be able to keep doing this. So to help that happen, you can become a monthly supporter, and you can go to the link in the description, and you can support. There are three ways you can support, 99 cents a month, 4.99 a month, or 9.99 a month. Any support is greatly appreciated, and that's going to go to contributing to JT, being able to edit this podcast, make the sound quality better, make video quality better for YouTube, and to make your listening experience better overall. So without him and without your support, this podcast is not possible. If you can't support financially, just share, listen, and tell a friend. And 
any way that you can support is much appreciated, even if you can't support financially.